What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And this is Stuff You Should Know, the podcast edition of the podcast. Maybe we should change the name of the show to, like, Stuff You Might Want to Know. If you're, you know, if you care about being an enlightened individual. We need a colon in there. We've been using colons a lot lately. Yeah. Let's not change the name. We should change the name to Just Try and Find a Pulse. (laughs) That's good. Thank you. Chuck. Yes. Have you ever seen an animal migrate? (laughs) I see my dogs migrating to the food bowl at 5 o'clock every day. Yeah? Yeah. I guess that is kind of migration- yeah. yeah. Actually, I see them migrate to me at like 4.30 and, and start say, hey. staring at me like, you know you got to feed us, right? Yeah, we talked about that in uh, Can Dogs Perceive Time. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I have seen animals migrate on the YouTubes. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, it's unbelievable. It is, especially depending, like the monarch butterflies, everyone's like, that's the money migration. Nah, not to me. Have you seen the bats, the fruit bats in Zambia? That's pretty amazing. It is amazing and like horrific if you don't like bats. I like the the mammalian ones, like the elk. Mm-hmm. Thousands and thousands of them steaming across the tundra. Uh, and the car the yeah caribou yeah. is another one. Um, wildebeests also called gnus. The gnu? No gnus is good gnus with Gary. <laughs> Gnu. Did you know that? I did know that. Uh, the wildebeest, a.k.a. the gnu, uh, is also known for its huge migration. Uh, and that doesn't always go very well. Did you know that? What, with the gnu? Uh-huh. Uh, why 2007? No, what happened? In uh, a river in Kenya in 2007, 10,000 oh, no. wildebeests drowned Ugh. at this one spot in this river. It's awful. Because one of them went in. And got swept away, and the rest of them were like, "Oh, we went in. Well, I guess we'll all fun. just cross." And well, that's really sad. Yeah, one um, percent of the population of uh, the African wildebeest population wow. died in that river that day. Quite a mess, too. <laughs> I imagine. You know? So, yeah. Ten, I mean, that would probably dam up the river. I would think. I would think so. Ten thousand gnus yeah. wildebeests. I mean, they're about four and a half feet tall at the shoulder. I yeah, believe. Yeah. They're big. Um, and yeah, 10,000 of them. That's a lot of biomass. It's like when a whale gets beached. Do you remember the one in, uh, Oregon in the 70s? Yeah. 
that they blew up with dynamite? Yeah. Yeah. There's you footage of that, that on today. the YouTubes as well. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. So, that's migration, Chuck. You got anything else? <laughs> Listener mail. I just blacked out. Uh, Josh, migration, uh, if... We should define it for our foreign friends. Exactly. It is a large-scale movement of an animal species. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. typically, it's mm-hmm. because of uh, a few things, like uh, weather mm-hmm. or mating or food, trying to find resources. Yeah. So when you said that you see your dogs migrate to their food bowl every day, mm-hmm. that does technically count yeah, as sure. migration because most of the reason things migrate is food, and then the other ones are generally secondary. Josh, right? what, what are the three types of migration? There is irreversive migration. No. <clears throat> eruptive migration. Yes. I just made up a word, irreversive. Yeah. And not eruptive as in a volcano, but I-R-R, repetitive. Yeah. That's right. Um, and that doesn't follow a pattern. Uh, usually it kind of, the, basically the species is making it up as it goes along. Right. Um, the wildebeests are known for eruptive uh, migration because they follow water. And wherever the water is, yeah. they're going to it and uh, yeah. apparently drowning in it. And they they said, too, in this article, which is crazy, that they will their migration patterns can be based on, like, thunderclouds. Well, yeah, if they hear thunder... That's so awesome. They're going to go to the thunder because that's where the rain is, meaning yeah. that's where the water is. That's just so cool how smart the, the stupid-looking Gnu is. <laughs> <laughs> Big dummies. Didn't Gary Gnu wear a turtleneck and a jacket? I think it was a dicky. Okay. Uh, Josh, another one is complete and partial migration. Um, obviously, complete is when the entire species migrates. Um, partial usually happens when you have such a range in your species that some of you live where it's nice and warm, you don't have to go anywhere, and some of you live where it's cold. And uh, the barn owl is a good example of that one. Partial migration is basically just a species showing off how much range it has. Right, right. Like, some of us don't even need to migrate. <laughs> exactly. There's also... Um, Altitude, altitudinal migration, uh-huh. where you're a billy goat up in the Alps, yeah. and it starts to snow and get a little cold for you, so you move a little further down the mountain. Yeah. Bing, bang, boom, migration done. And the final one, actually, I think I said three, this is more like five, uh, is <laughs> the saddest one of all, and that's removal migration, and mm-hmm. that is when wherever you're living, for one reason or another, whether it's deforestation or... Uh, Drain swampland. Swampland or climate is just not the place to live anymore, and you just pack your bags as a species and leave, never to come back. It is the saddest migration. I think so. Um, so, Chuck, that's the types of migration, the three slash five types. Three to five. Yeah. Um, and what we're finding is, uh, from the outside, it looks like people who study migration, before we studied migration, it was just like, oh, look, the animals are moving again. Right. Um, but people have given it a lot more um, evaluation over the last decade, century, year or two, right? Uh-huh. Um, and they're finding that there's pretty much, well, like we said, food, breeding, yeah. and mating, and... Um, climate. Climate. Those are the reasons. Yes. And they all equal survival. Yes, that's the whole point. Yes. Right? When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. 
There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You said that um, partial migration is based on range. Yeah. What animals need is food. Mm-hmm. you got to have food to yeah. survive, yeah. and for the most part, that's why animals migrate is for food. Yeah, right? and what's interesting, too, is it's not always a migration to like, oh, let's go find, because there's tons of food over here. Sometimes they're smart enough to know we'll deplete all the food here mm-hmm. if we don't move around some, and we want to survive as a species, so we're not going to take all the food here. We're going to migrate over and kind of spread it around so we can all live. Right. That's pretty cool. Water also falls into that category of survival as well, like the wildebeest, which we were talking about, right? Yes. Um, and then there's breeding and mating as reasons for migration. Uh, whales yeah. are very, very famous for um, migration for both, actually, for feeding and for breeding, right? Right. So they migrate to the poles in the summertime. Thousands of miles. Yeah. Um, they migrate to the poles in the summertime to go feast on krill, but their calves, when they're born, don't have enough blubber to survive in the polar climate. That's adorable. So they go toward the equator, yeah. the tropical climates, to um, mate and, and reproduce. Do you ever look at animals and think, they figured it all out and humans are just messing it all up? Yes, frequently. I say that all the time to myself. Uh, the Chinook salmon, Josh, is one uh, in relation to mating and breeding, and they are famous for uh, heading out to sea as adults after they're born in the river, and then later in life, they swim back upriver, and they lay their eggs at the same hospital where they were born, the same little river spot. Right. They're because they're going hospitals. to be eaten in the open sea, well, right? Yeah. So they go back to where they were born because it worked for them. Well, that's exactly why they do it. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Because they know that this spot is, because I'm alive. It's safe. I know this is a safe spot for me. Plus, I haven't been by there for a while. I need to say hey to the to the old neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See what's going on. Chuck, you're talking about removal migration. Um, there's a pretty faint, there's a good example of um, what happens as a result of removal migration um, in the whooping crane, right? This is the best story. 
Do you like this one? It's really awesome. So the whooping crane uh, in the United States went down to 20 birds in the wild for a little while. That's not the good part, by the way. Right. That's the sad part. That's the funny part. Here's the good part. Uh, the, the eastern population of the species was completely wiped out, and the western population was pretty much keeping the species alive. So it, it, I guess to oppose removal migration, ru- uh, is it Rutgers? I believe it was. Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers ornithologists um, really started to take a, a, a real shine to the whooping crane and, and wanted to get the population back up. And so they started breeding them in captivity. Yeah. The problem is the annual migration of the whooping crane uh, is about 1,200 miles. They go from the north down to Florida. Sure. Um, they learn that. That's intergenerational knowledge, right? Yeah. So the ones in the east... They have no idea how to get from their their where they live during the summertime down south in the winter. Yeah, they don't know the route because those people who used to ha- or those cranes that used to have that knowledge <laughs> right. died out. Right? I know it's so sad. So tell them what they're doing, Chuck. Well, this is the cool thing. As sad as that is, and as down on humans as I am, there are humans that do amazing things like this. They uh, basically dressed up in whooping crane costumes. <laughs> From the time these little chickies were born, yeah, to acclimate them to to you know the adults, and uh, the sound of an ultralight aircraft from the time they were little ones, they got them used right. to that sound. Right. Then, when the time came to migrate, Josh, the birds, a guy got into an ultralight aircraft dressed as a whooping crane. dressed as a whooping crane and flew from Wisconsin to Florida and led these birds and basically said, "This is the way to go. Mm-hmm. This is how you're going to survive." Mm-hmm. How awesome is that? It's pretty awesome. And it worked. So far. So far. They're, what they're hoping is, obviously, in generations to come, that they have learned this. So and they they'll can't. be able to pass it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, that's pretty rare, actually, that we understand why or how a species um, migrates. For the most part, how and when or how they how they know to migrate right. is, is still relatively a mystery. Um, there's different ways that that we think a, an animal species can say, oh, "Okay, it's time to go to Florida." Yeah. Um, and one of the one of the big ones is called the, the photo period, right? Based on the circadian rhythm or the circulian rhythm, sunlight. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.